On this episode, we talk to Cal Woodley from Grand Union Financial. We discuss what Grand Union does, building a brokerage firm, and advice for other brokers in the industry, and much, much more. Now, let's spend 30 minutes in finance. Hi, I'm Cal Woodley. I'm the uh, company director and firm principal of Grand Union Financial. Perfect. And thanks for coming on, Cal. Really appreciate your time this morning. Um, just for everybody listening, can you give us a, a little bit of a background as to how you got into the industry um, and sort of started Grand Union? Um, it's a bit of a strange one, actually, because I'm probably one of those professionals that decided to uh, change tack mid-career. Um, I was actually in manufacturing, automotive manufacturing. Um, in engineering and uh, I got into that as soon as I I graduated and uh, I was lucky to join a company that actually took me all over the world so I lived in Italy for about five years I lived in uh, Japan Um, I lived in Morocco for two years uh, India um, and then various other different countries in Europe Poland Czech uh, Spain so I, I was really lucky to um, get onto, let's you know, call it a graduate scheme that um, was doing what I loved at the time in terms of career. Um, you know, really helped me prosper as a as a young engineer. Um, but I was lucky to, that it took me all over the world, and um, I learned a lot, a lot of experience, met different cultures, got to integrate with different cultural teams. Um, and yeah, got to see the world whilst I was at it. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was heaven. It was brilliant. It was probably what any, you know, young graduate would want. Um, it was a dream job. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, I was in Italy at the time, and it was 2008. And um, uh, the fear, it was of course the financial crisis that you know a lot of us still remember today. And um, my whole world came crashing down. All my international projects were grinded to a halt. Um, And in in Italy, they were doing things called, uh, they call it cassetti degrazioni, where it's essentially like uh, their version of a layoff. But um, for me, I was just twiddling my thumbs every day. And I thought, well, you you know what, I've had a good stint. I think this is the the best time for me to, to leave. So I returned back to the UK. I got another engineering job in the automotive. Things weren't really picking up. And um, I uh, actually became a father as soon as I came back to the UK. I found um, uh, an amazing partner. And I then decided, do you know what? Sitting in the wind tunnels or doing diagnostics Saturday, Sunday, 10.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. is probably no way for... uh, a father to uh, an upcoming father or to be father to be acting or, or have as a constraint. So I decided to uh, self-study on my CMAP exams and um, found a local brokerage who would take me in under their wing. And, they're the you know, I chose financing because a little bit like engineering, there are puzzles. Um, they can become more and more complex. And I decided, you know what, I can put my skills to good use and, okay, I could start off with mortgages and move into more challenging aspects like development finance, which, you know, I, I, I enjoy and I love. Mm, well, that is 
yeah. Uh, first, a uh, new story for me, which is always interesting here. And, and something, it is that that's quite a, a, a sort of shift. I always find it strange <laughs> or, or kind of fascinating when, when anyone sort of takes that leap to sort of change career, um, because it is a, you know, it's a whole new thing starting from the bottom again, um, or not quite, because you're probably obviously pretty intelligent well, it, anyway, it, so... <laughs> it, it's it's scary don't, don't get me wrong everyone i mean i i did a lot of you know financing wasn't the only um the only career path i was looking at i was looking at all different other various types um but what i learned about uh pursuing a career in financing is that uh yes it doesn't you know the 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 majority of brokerages out there, you do go self-employed. So that itself was a huge uh, mental leap, if you like. Um, yeah. That was really hard to sort of get around, especially when, you know, I've been on the payroll for X amounts of years and traveling the world. It was harsh to, it, it wasn't harsh. It was, um, it was hard to give up that type of lifeline, if you like. Yeah, the security um, of it all. Exactly. But I I liked the financing and, and getting into debt finance and brokerage side because uh, I I also saw that it's a, it's a career that not only are you self-employed, but you can do until, you know, you're well into retirement. You know, you still get wealth managers that, and, uh, that are that are, you know, well beyond retirement age and they're still doing wealth management at the same time. So. I thought to myself, hey, do you know what? I could be self-employed. Um, I could be flexible around um, being a, you know, being a father. I can work my own hours, do what I want, travel when I want, um, and I can keep doing this job until I'm in my sixties or seventies, even. So, you know, what's kind of not to like? And I just thought, as long as you can can believe in yourself, um, and I think one of the things if you are ever getting into this industry, and this is probably for anyone who's, you know, mid-career or, or starting off from, from entry level, is that, you know, you do get out of it what you put into it. And I think being self-employed helps you retain that hunger. And I think if you've still got the hunger, then you'll wake up every day with that drive. And it's nice to have that. It's, there's the right level of, if you don't earn, then you don't put food on the table. And that drove me, you know, that that thought of uh, not being able to put food on the table or pay, being able to pay for my mortgage um, really got me up in a positive way. You know, I, I, I relished the challenge. I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking, oh, my goodness, doom and gloom. <laughs> I took it. <laughs> I took it as a positive challenge. And I said, right, you know, that's it. I've got to trust my instincts i've got to believe in myself i've got to learn from others as well that's really really important you know when you come into this industry don't just think right that's it it's all on you uh, feel free to you know i, I shadowed um, my principal at the time i learned a lot from him um and then i decided to uh, you know when the timing was right i decided to say right do you know what i think i know enough to know enough now and I wanted to go off and, and start my own brokerage and I got my uh, direct FCA license and here I am starting Grand Union Financial and uh, two years in the making and uh, we're all, we are going strong. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. What made you sort of want to go down the route of the regulated side as opposed, was that what you were doing at your previous place? Um, I was with I was with a brokerage that was under the AR of the open work model. And okay, yeah. um, if anyone knows open work or doesn't, they're, they're sort of like uh, direct competitors, um, I would say, of S- SJP, St. James's Place. And, you know, they're, they're, the training that they offered was uh, top notch. It was it was first class training, um, I have to admit, and how they were able to help in the structure my learning was was absolutely brilliant so i do think if you're starting off in this world try and seek uh big networks who offer great academy training and routes and what have you because you, you do need to learn from the best in terms of what's out there to to harness the skills and and maintain and, and upkeep that discipline yeah um yeah I, the brokerage I was working for, we were regulated, we did mortgages, buy-to-let HMOs, but then that's kind of where it stopped. And um, I I approached uh, the principal and I said, do you know what, I'm, I've, done, I've done a couple of mortgages, I've done protection and I've done flex buy-to-lets. And I thought, do you know what, I, I really want to get stuck into some of the, some of the complex other mechanisms. Um, I said, I want to learn about commercial financing. I want to do development, I do bridging. I want to do all sorts. Um, but unfortunately, um, they they couldn't, of course, because their PI and um, what they were able to do, able to do was sort of governed by OpenWay. So I decided we struck a deal with OpenWork, and I said, look, you know, I'll do, I'll work with as an AR for someone else, um, another commercial brokerage. And I'll learn the ropes and all my work will get signed off by the principal, which it did. And I actually decided, you know what, there's a whole new world out there in terms of commercial financing, not just the regulated side, but this is also quite exciting. And I, I, I don't, I not, I don't want to sound big headed or anything, but I, I, I slowly started to realize, well, I'm going to outgrow this place pretty soon. Um, so it was, it was only going to be a matter of time. And then 2020 came along we were all sat at home doing nothing. My my work completely dried up. And I thought, right, well, this is the best time to go and apply for my <laughs> FCA license. <laughs> yeah, so, a so couple I of did, months did, of nothing. Exactly. So, yeah, well, that, that, that pipeline, you know, my, my application got approved within three months, you know, because wow. I, I thought, well, well, uh, you know, people are sitting at home doing nothing and they haven't got, you know, they're not out and about. So... Um, I had a couple of phone calls uh, from the FCA, you know, managed to send through all the right documentation, all the casework, and hey, presto, got my got my license. And then I realized, oh, damn, I've just started a brokerage in 2020, probably the worst time to start a brokerage. <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, I'm going. But then it was really, it was actually quite handy because then I flipped straight away to uh, my first case that I completed in 2020 was a C-bills loan and an rls loan so um i really <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I got to gri- I, yeah well i got to grips with that pretty quickly and then i um i started recruiting yeah so in terms of the so it was just you how long did it take then for you to get your first um member of staff or how have you actually structured your your business is it based on a are they members of staff or are they ars or how have you sort of done that and how many have you got at the moment uh, so as of uh, April 2023, we are 13 advisors. 
um, 13 brokers. Uh, so that we, we started in uh, March 2020. So just over two years, we're 13 advisors up. And impressive. Uh, I, I've not... I've not put out posts. I've not put out recruitment posts. Um, I've had some discussions with some recruiters and I, and some of those recruiters have brought me some people looking for, you know, uh, elsewhere, but none of the, none of them have actually uh, come off. How I've generally recruited is um, I, I've actually seen, well, 2020 was an interesting year. Uh, the amount of regulated or, or, or financial brokers that fell out of the market, i.e. they got released from their employment, was astounding. And I made contact with quite a lot of them, and only some of them came back to me. And I said to them, look, you know, we can't just, you know, I, I'm a broker just like you. We can't be one-trick ponies. We can't just be doing mortgages and protection and what have you. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some people who make a great living off just doing that, and kudos to them. But I truly believe the role of a financial broker, a financial advisor, is to master more than just mortgages and buy-to-lets. I think the world in terms of property is moving in different directions, where bridging and uh, development is becoming more and more apparent now. So why not start learning those skills? And I said to them, look, you know, if you if you stick with me, I'll teach you how to learn all of these different aspects, all of these different areas of brokerage. I'll even tell you to do business finance, asset finance. I will give you the jack of all trades. I'll, I'll give you all the tools in the toolbox. And that will give you the ability to diversify your pipeline. It will give you the ability to pick and choose what cases you want to do and how you want to approach them because a mortgage advisor will approach it purely from bricks and mortar. An asset a uh, broker will approach it purely from an asset point of view. So having that skill base where you can look at multiple avenues, multiple ways of solving the puzzle, um, it, it is, is, I think, is, um, is key. And uh, all of my advisors are self-employed. Um, you know, they we, we have a unique proposition on the market. And I've told a couple of recruiters about this proposition. And I think, David, I've even told yourself about this proposition. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's still the best on the market. Um, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I don't want to kick and scream about it and post it all over LinkedIn or Facebook. That's not my style. Um, those who want to inquire, feel free to call me and I'll tell you all about it and what we do. But I, I think it's fair. It comes from a place where I was, um, you know, struggling and, uh, you know, giving away quite a lot of your commission, even when you're struggling, is, is, it can cut you deep. Um, so this proposition is there to treat all my advisors fairly. They're all treated the exact same. Um, and there's no targets in this company. Um, we We work with each other we're all one team we're all self-employed none of us are ars they're all directly um grand unions and we just we're just a great team just a great laugh and if someone's struggling then you've got you know 12 other advisors that are going to try and crack it for you yeah because what would you say in terms of grand unions sort of main thing is if you had to sort of break it down in percentages is it sort of still property sort of property finance 
Um, I would say predominantly it's it's still property finance, um, and that's only because the advisors I've got are CMAP advisors that I've taken, molded, and and you know shown them how to use asset tool, asset financing, or business loans. So we we are, I would say, percentage wise, we're probably more leaning towards the property sector, uh, property financing, but. You know, we're starting to change that now. I'm starting to see one, you know, a couple of advisors, you know, uh, doing some invoice financing facilities with an asset, with an asset finance case, and then a development coming in later on. So it's working. People are diversifying their revenue stream, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, and I guess when a, a borrower comes to one of you guys, and you have that knowledge, you can probably sort of you can work out what the actual best solution is rather than tailor fitting the client to your solution you can tailor fit your solution to them and and that seems to be you know i think a a, a real bonus when it comes to any of sort of broker um with the the sort of business itself what are your sort of end goals with it where do you see it sort of going do you want to just keep on adding or is there a sort of goal that you've got in mind that you're working towards um, there, there is a, we, we've got a five-year plan and I, I want to get the, um, the advisor numbers up to, from, from 13 to, uh, about 30 over the span of five years. And, um, I may say that, you know, that's quite conservative, uh, thinking, you know, people may think, do you know what, you can do that quite easily, but it's not, it's not as easy as you think, um, because the type of advisors that I want to uh, help must be an advisor that can walk into a room and say, I'm a finance broker and I can solve your problem with any number of tools that I've got. And uh, for those who are, let's say, seasoned mortgage brokers, it's quite hard for them to snap out of trying to solve everything with a mortgage or trying to take on inquiries that involve that don't involve a mortgage. You know, they they sort of, you know, if you if you shy away from that, um, you know, someone wants to buy a haulage truck, for example, then there's numerous lenders out there. But if you shy away from something like that inquiry, then it's like, well, we're we're not that type of brokerage for you. You you're not utilizing what we can offer. Um where I want to take this, I, I do want to grow the brokerage to a certain size, um, you know, 30 odd uh, advisors. Um, the the line of, you know, the line of management is flat. It's the advisors and just me. And that's it. You know, there, there's, there's no bureaucracy. There's no, it's just me. I'm a, I'm an advisor too. I've got my day-to-day -day cases. I love to get stuck in and help my own clients. So I don't just sit there as uh, a lot of principals do and just do nothing and, and, and you know, what, what, watch the pound signs rolling in. I actually have my own clients. I get stuck in. I go to shows. I go to exhibitions. I do my research on, on, on lenders. And I, I try and try and stay as cutting edge as I can and you know I try and learn as much as possible because I still feel that as well as being a principal I'm still not the 100% best advisor that I want to be you know I, I, and I want to keep 
pursuing that and I still want to be the best. Um, there's a lot to do. There's a long way to go. And there's a lot of people that I can still learn from. And I can pass all that knowledge on down to my team. Yes, it is. I guess with everything, there's all new lenders coming in, new products being made. So it's a continuous sort of learning thing. And from your own sort of deals, what is your sort of favorite deal to get done in terms of obviously looking at it from a couple of angles here? One in terms of the, the ones maybe with the, the sort of better return and then the ones that get done quickly. And we'll, we'll come on to sort of speed in a second on some other things. But um, have you got any type of business that you really like when someone comes in sort of and you go, OK, this is going to be nice and easy um, that you sort of specialize in? Right. So I would say I'm a specialist development finance broker. I love development financing, whether it be refurb or ground up. And I, I go the extra mile where I actually build the appraisal for my clients. Um, it's a service that I've started to offer some of the seasoned developers. Um, and I love that. I, I enjoy building the business case. It's no different from when I used to work in manufacturing. Um, where you know I, I love building the business case and, and pulling together the complete report uh, to be able to present it to one, the client, and two, uh, the uh, the lenders that will look at it. So development finance is, in terms of puzzles, is, you know, at debt level is probably the most complex you can get. And I say at debt level because, of course, there are a lot more um, interesting mechanisms above. Um, but I, I, I find it fascinating. I love it. I enjoy it. It can be frustrating because sometimes it's a hit and miss. You know, a lot of inquiries do end up going nowhere. So the completion <laughs> completion rates, um, you know, not as high as, say, standard mortgages. But I thoroughly enjoy uh, development finance and I, I specialize in that. And I think you get a lot of people that, go to um, all these, uh, you know, all these online tools that pop in, you pop in the GDV or, or the sales price and what have you, and it calculates and then it just spits out lenders to go to. And I just think, that, you know, that's not the true art of brokerage, you know, before when, when a case comes in, and, and David, I know you've been on the receiving end of this, before a case comes in, I already know who I'm going to start placing it with. I, I I pick up the phone. I call the uh, the underwriters or I call the contacts. I, uh, I I warm them up to it. I check to see if some of the sticking points can be overcome uh, before the client even wastes time and money. So I enjoy yeah. that. In in terms of the quickest um, areas to to broker. I think asset finance brokers laugh at a lot of us mortgage brokers. They laugh at us because <laughs> I've done a couple of asset, well, not a couple, I've done quite a lot of asset finance deals and um, the speed in which this the, these deals can be can be brokered is within, you know, within a day, within two days, if you get all the paperwork uh, aligned. And if it's a standard commodity, that's known. So, for example, if you're out there and you want to buy a haulage scanner truck, chances are is every asset finance lender that's into the transport industry knows exactly how much that truck is worth, what it is, the spec. They've got it all registered, all the data's there. And um, you just call them up, 
say you want to brokerage this, fill out the paperwork, send it over. Someone comes over to inspect it, or maybe they don't need to inspect it in some some lenders, and it can be done there and then on the day. Um, and uh, for a mortgage broker, that's like, what? How is that <laughs> yeah. even possible? Yeah. But um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it is. It happens. It happens. You know, completion can be done within hours in some cases depending on the right case and the right commodity yeah so i hear the same with sort of just normal business loans and and that kind of thing and the returns on some of those is um for broker commission is a little bit crazy at times <laughs> from some of the the stories i've been told for how quick it is when you compare it to the amount of it's hours so, it's so it's so funny david because um there's one there's a couple of lenders i know and let's say if you were doing um, a hundred thousand pound mortgage with that set with that lender, uh, the commission will be I don't know point uh, I don't know four five or five five. Um, if you were to do an asset finance deal with that same lender, different department but same lender, and it was a hundred thousand pounds asset finance deal. Uh, it could go up to one, two, sometimes even three percent. I've seen some brokers do so. Yeah. It's and that's done in know, a day or two, and it's done in a day or, a two. Month or two, or a couple, three exactly. months. Yeah, exactly. So you can have a mortgage that pays you point three, four, 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 five, or five, five. That takes you two six weeks minimum to get, or you could do an asset finance deal that takes you three hours to do and get paid three percent and. That you know, I, I I see that in front of me, and I you know, I just I you know, I shake my head. I don't know how, uh, you know, one policy is okay for the others, and for for mortgage brokers who are regulated and follow rules, it's a completely different um, pay structure, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems. Uh, I guess yeah, it's it's the sort of interest levels, and I would imagine with normal mortgages that the competition is absolutely insane so they can't be paying off huge fees because their margins are, are, are pretty tight um well it's, it's 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 a strange it's a strange one i mean um you've got so many banks now um apart from the digital banks but you've got a lot of standard banks that are closing branches you know they're, they're closing branches they're, they're it's part of their cost saving models and, um, you know, the, the average client needs to call in to, uh, to talk to a, a BDM or, as I, as I see it in front of me, the, the banks are leaning on the brokerage network uh, a lot more now, you know, more, more so than, than ever. I, I honestly think if the brokers weren't there and they were gone tomorrow, some of these banks would, would you know, feel, feel it. And um, we're lent upon so much. And because now there are so many mortgage brokers, um, the the remuneration has just become more and more watered down and it's become a saturated market, in, in, in my opinion, in terms of brokerage. Don't get me wrong, there are not enough brokers in this country to, to serve it. But those that are there, you know, the pay, someone has decided, do you know what, we'll close our branch as a, as a bank, We'll pay these brokers out, and uh, you know, X amount of percentage, and it still keeps our costs lower than actually having a branch itself. And that's, I assume, I only assume that's where probably some of the decision making has been stemming from. But yeah, it's it's like I, as I said earlier, 
I don't think you can make your make a, a good living just doing mortgages anymore. But if you do, then chances are is you're pumping out 20, 20 applications um, on average uh, a, a week, you know, depending on geographical location. And, and I don't think that's any way to really make a living because then you don't have the chance to learn other new areas of brokerage, your constant conveyor belt. And um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Some like it, some don't. Yeah, it seems like a, a tough business. And talking of difficulties and, and things that are, are tough is obviously with the current sort of slight wobble in the market and the, the nervousness is out there. How's that sort of impacted you guys um or has it no it's not and, and that's that's the beauty of what we're doing because uh 20 again going back to 2020 um we i don't think i think our mortgages or the amount of mortgages we did was was absolutely i think it was in single digits for that whole year but the amount of business loans rls loan revolving credit facilities was through the roof um and we were really busy, but we were helping businesses. We were helping individuals, you know, so we were still able to get stuck into it. And we've carried that we've carried that mentality all the way through to even today where we try not to get too uh, involved or too stuck in just into mortgages, because then you become a mortgage brokerage and then you become industry dependent. And uh, just like um, as of uh, April 2023, when. Um, you know, you've got the Bank of England rates that's just gone up to 4.25. And, you know, we've had that huge shock in in jumping interest rate and inflation. You know, when you see the mortgage market being hit, watch all the mortgage brokers sort of sit there, twiddle their thumbs, and even some of them go into redundancy. So thankfully, we've not been hit by that because... You know, we're getting stuck into development. We've still got loads of business loans going through. We've got um, asset finance. I've got one broker who's in the medical industry, and he's just, you know, that, that, that regardless of the property market going up or down, people still need to buy uh, MRI machines, for example. So he, he's stuck in. He's stuck into that. So no, and that, and that, and that's again, that's the, that's the uh, my belief of diversifying yourself can make you industry proof and and that's where i'm that's what i'm trying to get to that's what i'm trying to teach other brokers and thankfully no one's had to call me in and say hey Cal, i can't do this anymore um yeah we've seen less mortgages but then i've seen a lot more other things coming through no yeah which is i think that that's great here because we've we've heard some sort of stories of people that are very much buy to let sort of brokers and, and they're having a tough time just things that the affordability and everything is is making things very difficult um i'm conscious of the time and obviously i know we're probably going to have you on a few times hopefully uh, if you want to come back on that is um to discuss more because i've got tons more questions and there's loads more sort of little bits of the market that'd be good to have a chat about but is there anything you'd specifically like to sort of cover off before we sort of start wrapping up um, I, I would just look, you mentioned about that buy to let brokerage and they're having a tough time. Um, I do strongly believe one of the key things you have to do as an advisor, as a broker is invest in yourself, really, really invest in yourself. And that can mean learning different, learning different areas of brokerage. 
You know, they're in this position because the market's gone down. But those who are in the property market know there is always a cycle. There's always a cycle. We know it's going to happen, unfortunately. But that is, you know, history has, has taught us that the property market takes dips. So if that is the case, then why not, you know, diversify your own skill set, learn something else completely different and become, I wouldn't say 100 percent, you know, bulletproof, recession proof uh, on industries, but at least give yourself a good fighting chance to become resistant to the property dips. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I do urge any principals out there or any any um, advisors out there to Look, if you're happy with doing what you're doing, fine. But complacency in this game is costly. Not now, but it will be when this boat starts to sink. But when the boat starts to sink, it could be either too late or you're sinking with everybody else. So, you know, have a look. If you want to reach out to me, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm thinking of um, branching out and then um, in, in other ways as well on, on how I can help other advisors um, in other brokerages to to learn different new skill sets. I, I think it's I think it's key. I think it's the, I think it's relevant towards um, the market today as well, given that property is becoming more and more complex. Um, the buyers are becoming more and more complex, you know. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I invest in yourself and. I do take it, you know, invest in yourself and, um, you know, don't try not to become complacent. No, yeah, that, right. I think, that. yeah, it is. And using your uh, sort of boat analogy, I guess that sort of thing is, is you're just over time as you're increasing your skills, you're building that bucket up or you're creating a bigger and bigger bucket that you can bail out the water <laughs> just a little bit quicker than everyone else. Well, um, well that, that's it. You, you need to be able to stay afloat. You've got one bucket that's a mortgage, uh, um, and if you have multiple buckets, you'll be able to hopefully stay afloat for a lot longer. Um, yeah. uh, I like that analogy. I think I'll use that again. Yeah. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so where can people find you and obviously if they want to get in touch with you directly or one of your ARs where's the best place to to go or not again, well, again we don't we don't do ARs no, um, yeah. all, all of the all, all of back. the um, <laughs> advice all right all of the advisors that work for us are, di are direct under our our name our brand um i i won't do ARs uh, for various reasons um which we won't get onto now um but if they want to reach out to me then look contact any one of my advisors or find um or contact me on the website um or we are having our website revamped as well by the way so that that'll be coming through probably about may 2023 um but just just reach out to me and if you want to have a quick phone call just have a quick phone call it's it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt i'm not one of these principals that will not entertain a conversation if you have no interest in joining us i i, I you know i I don't come from that type of background. I've come from uh, manufacturing engineering. You know, I, I like helping other people, you know, even if it's not in my interest. So if you want to reach out, just reach out. No, appreciate that. And thanks ever so much for your time, Carl. Like I said, there is tons of other questions I've got that we'll have to jump to on the next time. Things like um, sort of how you actually go about getting your business, how you advertise it, um, what sort of education that you recommend 
people getting, if any, sort of formal education, all those sort of bits and pieces. But for now, we'll leave it there um, as it is only 30 minutes in finance rather than an hour. Uh, so <laughs> thanks ever so much for your time, Cal. And we'll, we'll pick it up next time. No worries, David. Thanks for having me on, man.